Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. Hey, come on, keep those hands clapping for Pastor Josh in the house. Amen. Thank you for being here. Ladies, thank you for being here for the second best trinkle that's going to speak all weekend. What a blessing it is to be here. We love your pastor and his sweet wife so much. Uh, I do appreciate Pastor Josh saying that uh, when I was at school, he was so much older than me. And that really makes it really, really bad now. So, But uh, we love you, preacher, and what God's done in your life and what God's doing in this church. Don't you love your church? Isn't it phenomenal? We were outside talking to people and talking to people and talking to people, and somebody said, hey, you got to get in. There's other people we got to talk to. And I said, well, I don't want to say bye to these folks. This was just so sweet. And they said, well, it's air conditioning inside. I'm like, okay, let's go. So it worked out good. And that's, that's not normal for you. That's very normal for me. When we left uh, our home in Texas, we lived just outside the city of Dallas in Plano, it was uh, probably the 60th or 70th day this summer where it was 108 degrees. So yeah, it was, it's just, we have to change between services. It's awful, it's hot, but it is what it is. And it's part of my punishment for things I did when I was a teenager preparing me. But uh, we're really blessed to be here. My kids actually work in a church that's not too far from here where Josh used to work. Uh, Pastor Josh used to work and uh, they live in Pocasset. And we're doing, uh, not only do we get the privilege of being with you this weekend, we're kind of doing some grandparent duty, running kids everywhere. And uh, it's just been such a sweet, sweet thing. We didn't know this when Pastor Josh asked me to come. I think you asked me right after my kids moved up here. You said, well, if you're coming, you're coming to my church. So, uh, but we didn't know that this was going to be the weekend for kickoff weekend for the NFL for your Patriots, okay? Patriots, yay, right? But you know this Sunday, today, they, I know, seven Super Bowls, blah, blah, blah. You only lost three to NFC East teams. Now, I think I'd be getting a lot more hate if I was wearing a Giants jersey or Eli Manning. So we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're trying to bridge a gap here and make a connection with you. But uh, I had the privilege of being at the Super Bowl where Tom Brady had his best statistical Super Bowl. Yeah, and lost the game, and lost the game to the Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something that you're going to be very happy to hear, okay? Uh, we, were, we, we had a good pastor friend of ours who actually pastored a church in Minnesota. The Super Bowl was in Minnesota. We played the Vikings. This is really important information, by the way, okay? Uh, we played the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. He called me up talking some smack. We're going to have a home game next week. The Vikings are going to kick the Eagles' butt. Blah, 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 blah. So he, went, he said, I'm going to bet you two Padron 1926 Series E cigars. For those of you that know what cigars are, they're very expensive cigars, okay? Uh, I, I only said yes because my wife smokes cigars, and I wanted to have them for her, okay? So we went to the church, and I'm telling you, it was a Saturday night. We did communion in a church in Minnesota on a Saturday night before the Super Bowl. We knew God had his hand on that team to win the game the next day. Isaiah 41 says, or 40 verse 31, they shall mount up with their wings as eagles, the Bible talks about. So we took communion, and then the pastor calls me up on stage in front of his whole church. He said, and I got this 
we made a bet, church, I'm sorry, I gotta do this. And he presented me two cigars in front of his whole church and I'm like walking off like Jesus shamed a little bit. You know, Mr. Smoker issue here, right? So I took him into the game, slipped him in my sock, and we sat there, and there was a guy wearing a Tom Brady outfit next to me. My daughter doesn't call jerseys jerseys. Some of you know my daughter and son-in-law, Nick and Katie Stewart, who have been to your church a lot uh, when they were serving with manna. Uh, Katie, when she sees somebody wearing a football jersey, she goes, oh, I like your football outfit. So that's, you know. But um, <laughs> so this dude's got a jersey, Brady, uh, a Brady jersey on the whole game. And I'm watching the game this way, and he's like got his back towards me. He's just so mad. Plus, I don't know if he was mad because I had an Eagles jersey or I was in my seat and half of his seat. I'm not sure what it was. <laughs> but when, when the game was over, of course, you know, I mean, I was going crazy. I, I had probably been to, and this is, this is very literal, about 200 home games and maybe 15 away games for the Eagles. My dad... That was just our thing. And my dad passed away recently, and I remember calling him up, and I am just, Dad, they won. They actually won. This is unbelievable. And I'm crying. It was just such a big, because to us, we're not used to that like you people are, okay? <laughs> we're not used to that stuff. So I, I busted out them stogies, fired them up, and then this attendant comes running up to me. You can't do that in here. There's no smoking. And I'm like, what the guys on the, the floor? The guys on the stadium floor are smoking. Why can't I have one too? And then the Patriots guy goes by me and says, let them do it. They're never going to blankety do this again. So <laughs> welcome to New England, church, OK? Welcome to New England. <laughs> You know, it's funny when, when somebody says, I'm going to tell you a story, and it's really true, or I'm not going to lie. You're like, oh, they must lie a lot. No, that really happened, okay? That's what happened. So, hey, I want to talk to you today. I love this series you're doing. Some of you knew some of the songs that we're playing and probably could identify with some of the characters in that opening video, right? Some of you are a little Jim Carrey. Some of you are, you know, some of the different people that were in there. But um, I called my talk today, Desperate Times Call for Desperate Measures. Uh, it seems like, and this is maybe just me, um, that church draws desperate people sometimes. Is anybody else desperate today with me? I am. I'll put my hand up first. I put my hand up and my wife pointed at me, so that's like a double thing right there. But, but we all represent some form of desperation that's taken place in our life. Maybe it's some bad decisions you made when you were younger. Maybe it's bad decisions you're making today. Maybe you've been hurt by others right? Or maybe you've even inflicted hurt yourself. Maybe you're going through like a financial thing that's hard for you to navigate your way out of, or, or maybe some relational stuff. We were talking to some families earlier, some couples that are kind of going through some things, and God's got them back on a path because of the ministry of Harbor Church. Um, and desperate things will make you do desperate things, won't it? You know, I mean, you'll just, and, and really, you know what happens in desperation? It really reveals our character, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going through like a really, really hard thing and, and, and you, you don't have it together, sometimes we make decisions in desperation that can really take us off, off the deep end a little bit, you know? I want to read a story here. It's one of those stories in the Bible, and it really fits the, the moniker of your series of, of crazy verses or crazy passages in the Bible. This story doesn't even seem possible. Um, I was talking to a young man that was in church Thursday that came back today, and he was telling me that this is something he understood because he grew up in Siberia. 
And so some of this desperation, he says, this is very real. This desperation is more real to the rest of the world than it is for people that grew up in the United States. And, and sometimes it's hard for us to get that because what we see as desperation isn't necessarily desperation sometimes. Do you know the United States has only 5% of the world's population, but over 90% of the world's finances somehow run through the United States? If you have one car, if you have one car, you're amongst the richest 5% of people in the whole world today. And I'm not saying what you're going through isn't significant, and I'm not saying that maybe your house isn't as big or your car isn't as new or your job doesn't pay as much, but we are absolutely living in the country where we are so, so blessed. And sometimes we forget that, don't we? Yeah, you can clap about that. Because every good gift and perfect gift comes from who? It comes from God, and we, we acknowledge that today. But this story has a level of crazy in it that doesn't even seem comprehensible for anything that any of us have ever probably gone through in our lives. So let me read for you today in 2 Kings chapter 6, and then we're going to go in chapter 7 a little bit. Try to understand the why of this story and then make some personal application to it as well. 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 24, it says that there was a king, his name was Ben-Hadad. Uh, he was the king of Syria. He gathered all of his army and he went, and the Bible says, he besieged Samaria, not a word you use every day. I'm going to besiege you, right? This is in the New King James Version I chose to read from today. I read from the New Living Translation from my Version app. And if you don't have the Version app on your phone or your tablet or your device, whatever you have, download it today. It's one of the greatest tools for you to use to systematically read your Bible or systematically have devotions. And it's a great way to justify your devices, too. But I read from my, my phone every single day from the YouVersion uh, program that I'm reading right now to read through the Bible uh, twice this year. So I would encourage you to do that. But this word besiege has kind of been an older version of the Bible. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And here's what it means. Uh, there was a tactic that was used in army warfare, if you will, that if you were to go in, and I remember watching Saving Private Ryan, and they were over the big table, and they were getting ready to be, do this, this, this huge effort to, in the European theater on D-Day, where they were talking about how many people, and this was in the movie Saving Private Ryan, so I, I would imagine there's some accuracy to this, where the generals were talking about what, the, what, what, uh, what was going to happen that day and how many people they were projecting would die. Like, I don't know if, what, what the number was that went, but let's just say if they were hoping 70% of everybody they sent out into this big battle would live, 30% would die. So what they would do back in this time in history was, instead of going in and sending all your people in with all their artillery, now the artillery was expensive in and of itself, the armor and so on and so forth, but so it was to lose people who were fighting on your side. So what they would do was, they would surround the city with their whole army, so nobody could get in and nobody could get out. And this would keep supplies from coming in, it would keep farmers from coming in and bringing food in. And because of that, everything, the economy shut down, there was also a famine in land that we're going to read about. People were starving to death, and we're going to read about some of the desperate times because of that. The Bible says they indeed besieged it, so much so that a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. So how'd you like to go over your friend's house tonight and have donkey's head for dinner? You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we can't understand that. Then the Bible says that even so one-fourth of a cup of dove droppings, which means what it means, sold for five shekels of silver as well. So the king, right, he's walking up on the wall, it says, and a woman cried out to him and said, help, O Lord, my king. 
And he said, if, if God doesn't help you, what can, what can I find help from you, from the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered and said this, and listen to this story. My neighbor, a woman came to me and said, give me your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. Boy, it's good to be in church today, isn't it? We get to read some of this. But can you, can you imagine the, the desperation that's in this city? And this is out of God's word, so we know that it's true because God's word is true truth. We know it's preserved. We know it's meant for us to read, meant for us to understand, and meant for us to apply. So, it, and, then he, and then the woman said to me, give me your son, we'll eat him, and we eat my son tomorrow. So we did. We boiled my son, and we ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give me your son that we may eat him, but she has hidden her son. And she took this to the king. The Bible says when the king heard the words of the woman, he ripped off his clothes. He passed by on the wall when the people saw him underneath of his kingly robes, he was wearing sackcloth on his body. Now sackcloth was something you would put on your body that you would wear when you were in mourning. You know, some of you are wearing Patriots jerseys today that... you found in Walmart or something, I don't know. And I, you know, I, I got my Eagles jersey on. But what you're, you're, what you're doing is you're identifying with something. You're identifying with your team. You know, I'm identifying with my team today. That's what baptism's like this week. You guys are getting bat- having a baptism service on Wednesday. When you get baptized, you're identifying with Jesus Christ. You're putting on your jersey for Jesus. And if you need to be baptized after church day, you make sure you go talk to one of the workers. There's a way you can communicate through uh, the text line as well. But don't leave today without making sure you have a spot on Wednesday night. It's going to be a great time. But when, when the king was wearing these, the sackcloth, he was letting everybody know he was in mourning for the fate of his city. Just a sad, sad thing. And now to go next level worse. You say, what's worse than that? Listen to what happens here in chapter 7. There was four dudes with leprosy in the entrance of the gate. Now, they weren't outside of the city because obviously the armies were out there and they couldn't go out there. They weren't inside the city because they were unwelcome guests inside the city. The Bible tells us in the book of of Exodus and Leviticus that if you had leprosy, you had to tell people when you were walking down the street, there's a leper coming, there's a leper coming because their disease of leprosy, which was a flesh-eating disease, uh, was, was very communicable. You can have that. And they didn't have masks back then, N90 masks, if you will, to keep you from getting leprosy. But they, you could get leprosy very easy from being near somebody. So if you would walk near people and didn't tell people you had leprosy, you would be, you would be exiled outside of the city and you would be stoned to death. So nobody liked people with leprosy. Everybody hated people with leprosy because they didn't want to get sick. And they always felt like outcasts. Well, here are these guys are standing outside the city. Inside the city, all this craziness has happened. Outside, they're being surrounded by this army. And listen, listen to the dialogue that happens uh, between them. It says, why are we sitting here until we die? Now, if we say, let's go back into the city, the famine is in the city, and there we're going to die. But if we sit here, we're going to die. Now, therefore... Let's surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, then we're going to live. If they kill us, eh, we're only going to die anyway. Verse 5, it says, They rose up at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. When they came to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to, to their surprise, nobody was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear a great noise of chariots and the noise of the horses, the noise of the great army, So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled out of twilight, left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, 
They went into one tent. These guys are hungry. They're starving. They, and and, and there's, there's probably campfires there with, with food boiling. There's supplies in every single tent. The Bible says they went into a tent and they ate and they drank. And they carried from that tent gold and clothing and they went out, probably dug a hole and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some supplies from there and went and hid it as well. And then something happened. It's like this light bulb came on in their head, you know? And they said to one another, we're, we're not doing the right thing here. Because today's a day of good news. And if we remain silent, if we wait until morning light, there's going to be punishment that's going to come upon us. Let's go, therefore, and tell the king about this good news. We understand by reading the story that this country was in a desperate situation. Now let's, try to, let's try to think about that and, and maybe just apply that statement to our current life right now that we're in the midst of, right? And where we live in the United States and what's going on in our world and this and that. And as Christians, the Bible tells us that we're going to spend, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you prayed and asked God to forgive you of your sins and invited Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you, the Bible says that you're saved. And not only are you saved for today, it tells us in 1 John chapter 5 that God saved you so that you would know that you have eternal life. So if you know Christ as your Savior this morning, say amen. amen. Okay, so if you, you know Jesus Christ, we ought to see life through a different lens than people who don't know Jesus Christ do. Because we, we should see and have a, just a minor understanding that forever is something that's awesome and not a bummer. That if you know Christ is your Savior, the Bible says you're not going to spend eternity in hell. There's no such thing as purgatory. You're going to spend eternity with God in heaven, with Jesus Christ, walking streets of gold, glorified bodies, eagles jerseys for everybody. That's what's going to be in heaven, okay? That's just my interpretation of that verse. But in all seriousness, though, we'll spend eternity with Christ and we'll have glorified bodies. It's going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, we should see that in our lifetime. So when we look at the plight of the world today, your church is going to Guatemala in a couple weeks. My church just came back. We work with the same missions partners. You're going to probably have some of the same experiences that we did as well. We made a home visit to one of the churches that we both support, our, our churches both support. And when we went in, this little tiny old lady in her home, which is nothing more than a shelter made of corrugated tin and scrap wood, they had, a, 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 they had a, a burning stove in their house, which was just wood and bricks that they found. So all this soot and, and, and uh, the, the fumes from the smoke was just permeating inside of their house. But that's how they kept heat inside their house, very moisture climate and actually a very cool climate where they lived in the mountains. So we went to visit them and we went in their house, their, their, their shelter. There was like this little dugout thing in the corner and we saw there was a body in there and the mom kind of went in and rustled this kid up who was laying face down in mud. He was blind and he was severely handicapped. When we saw that kid, we were, look, we were thinking, what? First thing in your mind is, that's cruel. That's, that's, that's not the way you treat a human being. Um, that's not the way it is in the United States of America. There's no such thing, there shouldn't be such thing as a throwaway life. You know, whether you have a handicapped of some kind or family members, you, people should be treated with dignity, should be treated with love, and should be treated with kindness. Jesus said that about kids. Suffer the little children to come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible also says, when you do it to the least of these, then you're actually doing it directly for me, Jesus said. So we saw that person, we're like, that's not something we understand. 
But here's, here's what desperation is for Christians in the United States of America. Having a liberal person in charge of stuff. We get all mad about that stuff. Oh, the world's going to hell. We're going to have a liberal in charge, right? Or the world's going to hell because our country is valuing this now. And man, we get so upset and we develop these gigantic Facebook muscles about all our opinions of all the wrongs that are in the world today. Thinking that if we let people know how we feel about life choices of sexuality, life choices of transgenderism, if we let people know how we feel about that and what the Bible says, then people are surely going to be drawn to us and drawn to Jesus. That's not right. See, our view of desperation is we think the world should be like us instead of the world being like Jesus. And what we are is we're just... You know, we are, we're conduits. Josh talked about how our church was a conduit to your church. And listen, I, I just believe this with all my heart. You know what the greatest accomplishment that any man or woman in this room can ever do in their life? You could be a multi-gazillionaire if you are. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about some projects at our church after church today, if you would, okay? But you could be a multi-millionaire, run a giant business, pastor the biggest church in the world, do this, accomplish this, accomplish this. The only accomplishment in your life that matters is you being obedient to God. That's it. That's what you're going to be judged by, and that's also going to be the measuring stick of what you're going to be blessed by is your obedience. Blessing is always preceded by obedience. And when we obey God, God keeps track of that stuff. He's not going to forget about that. God promised he would never be a debtor to us. God promised us that if we were obedient in our giving, he would not only bless us, he would pour blessings upon our lives so we couldn't even imagine it or understand it, the Bible tells us. But we see desperation as, you know, oh, things are, oh, taxes, oh, mortgage rates. What are we going to do? It's going to affect our giving. This is happening. This is happening. And this is happening. And we get all upset about things that don't matter in eternity, things that don't matter in eternity. And when we consider what desperation truly is, it, you go back and you read the story and say, okay, that's desperation. But desperation is, is people coming into the United States of America and not understanding that Jesus Christ loves them, gave himself for them, and we have no, we have no, nothing holding us back from inviting people to church. We have nothing holding us back in sharing our faith. We have nothing holding us back in sending missionaries all over the world and sending people to plant churches all over the United States. You know what our biggest hindrance is in getting the gospel out to the uttermost parts of the world? It's us. We're the ones getting away of that stuff. The country was desperate. The, the lepers made a desperate attempt to save not only their lives, but even to save the lives of the people in the city. And I want you to think about this. The lepers were unwelcome guests with very good news. Did you ever invite somebody to church? They just said no. Or I'm not going to go to, why would I go to church with you? Because you are a hypocrite, right? Why would I do that? And we make all these preconceived judgments in other people's lives. But here's the truth of the matter. Our invitation for people to come to know Christ and our invitation for people just to come to church or come to the baptism on Wednesday night, where Pastor Katie was telling us earlier, they're going to burn a lot of stuff and it's going to be hot dogs and marshmallows and what, what other kind of stuff are you going to have there? Mostly those things. Bud Light, you can't do that at a baptism for church. I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> 
please forgive her. Pastor's Katie's trying to be funny today. But all the, right, and that's a fun thing to invite people to come to. We get all anxious about that. I had somebody say to me one time after church, Pastor Ed, you're right, man. I'm gonna invite my friend to come to church. Please pray that I'll do that this week. I said, no, I'm not gonna pray that. Just do it. I'm gonna pray he's gonna say yes because you're gonna ask him. I'm not gonna pray that you get the courage to ask. Just do it, bro. Ask him to come to church. Yeah, but what? No, stop. Invite, listen, at the moment that you invite him to come to church, your responsibility is released because you were obedient. And God's got it. But we complicate all this stuff what the Lord wants us to do. And what was happening here, these guys made this def- desperate attempt to, save, to get these people saved. And here's the truth of the matter. Just like he did for that country, just like he did for those lepers, just like he did for you and me that get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ today, he provided a way for people to be saved. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus provided a way for our relationship with God to be fully restored. And God provided that way for you and I, not just to have it, enjoy it, stick it in our pocket, and enjoy it for forever eternity. He gave it to you so that you would share it with others as well. Listen, the fact that our church did a microcosm of the sacrifice that you folks did yourselves to get this church built up. And now that sacrifice is gonna be magnified by what you're trying to do in the city that's right next to you. Because people in Cape Cod need to hear about Christ. But it's not just people in Cape Cod we wanna reach. Your church is responsible to plan other churches. Your church's responsibility to send monies overseas so that missionaries can uh, share the gospel. Your church is responsible to raise up leaders here to go and do that as well. We have a responsibility, church, to keep paying that forward, that debt of salvation that we have ourselves. And the, the lepers realized it was their responsibility to share good news. We have to accept the responsibility that God wants to use us to share good news. So what does that mean for me? What does God want for me? Do you ever come to church today and you go, oh, again, you know? You know the church services we like the most is when the speaking is towards somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like my friend over here that's got four daughters, God bless him, his wifey. We were talking, we were lamenting over the challenge of raising four girls and what it's like to always have a girl crying and always having a girl happy. What it's like to go to Walgreens and buy product that we would never use ourselves. I mean, you know, just all that, all that kind of stuff that's very, very real to us, you know. Uh, we were talking about that. And it's, it's, it's really easy to sit in church and go, oh, man, I know that dude over there needs that. And we hope that they'll come to church and we'll feel good about what we're doing right. And then God will Jesus juke somebody else. Did you ever feel that way? Like, oh, man, church was great today. Like, when you talk about giving, people that give are saying Amen. So here's a little hint. If you don't want nobody bugging you about giving, just say amen when we talk about giving, okay? But in all seriousness, when you agree, salvation, oh, I'm already saved, amen, amen, that person needs Jesus. Okay, now you leave a holy life. I liked it better when he was talking to somebody else. What does God want from me? What does God want for you today that are in church, in this room, watching online, watching from the bad boy cabin in the back of the auditorium this morning that's, that's sheltered off so they can eat food during church and everything. All you folks in the, in the breakaway room, I'm with you. That's where I'd be sitting today with my feet up. So wherever you are, what does God want for me today? Let me give you a couple things. Today, God wants me, step number one, to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior. 
God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. God's 100% undeniable, uncomplicated will for your life is, is for you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior today. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Step number one that God wants for every man and woman in this room, he desires to have a relationship with you right where you're at today. I talked to a dude after church today, pastor, I agree. And I love when somebody says this. I agree with everything you said today, pastor, but. It's like that sprinkler. No, it just keeps coming back. I agree, but listen, I love you no matter what football team you like today. I love you because your pastor loves you. I love you because if you know Jesus, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm just a big dude that likes hugs, so I'll hug every one of you after church today if you need a hug. And if you're not a hugger, just say, eh, you can just do that to me too. How many huggers we have in the room today? Raise your hand. How many non-huggers? Raise your hand up in there. Don't like physical touch. Back up off me. I'll give you a pound or an elbow after church, okay? We'll do that for you. But when, when, when we're talking about these things that God's telling us to do in our lives, right, and, and, and we start considering, sometimes we kind of, there's a little bit of a pushback on that thing. Yeah, I agree. And listen, I, it's not my job to get you to agree with me. It's my job to help you see that Jesus loves you. And it's okay. It's okay sometimes. I, love, I had this guy say to me a couple weeks ago in church, I don't know if I agreed with what you said today. I said, that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. You know what I did? I did a message, and I said, what would Jesus say to the homosexual community and transgender culture? Yeah, it was awesome, right? And everybody in my church was ready for me to say, don't be gay. Don't be, because we're in Texas, like everybody's super conservative down there, right? Don't be transgender, right? And here's what I told everybody in my church that day. I said, here's what Jesus would say. I love you. Please accept me as your personal savior. That's what Jesus would say. What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? Go and sin no more. And their disciples were like, oh, Jesus is in the middle of the city at a well with a prostitute. Oh, my me. Right? They were like all freaked out about it, you know, because Jesus was talking to somebody he shouldn't have been talking to. Listen, I'm not here to change anybody's life because that's not my job. God's Holy Spirit does that stuff. Speaks to people through his word. And then people obey him. That's between them and God. But that doesn't mean I qualify people I love because whether I agree with them or not. Am I, I had four people leave my church over that. I can't believe you didn't take a bigger stand against that. I said, so you disagree with me? Yeah, I said, so you disagree with me that we ought to make sure that everybody in our community needs to know about Jesus Christ. Well, that's not what I'm saying. I said, well, that's what I was saying. So, peace out. You know, so it's all good. <laughs> Unfortunately, that stuff happens. So I don't want to lose people. I hate that. I hate that kind of stuff. Because you invest in people and you love them and all that kind of stuff happens. But we have to share the word of God and the hope of Jesus Christ with people. Amen. Step number three. Step number two, identify with Jesus in your local church through baptism. If you're not baptized, get baptized Wednesday, Wednesday night. It's going to be a blast. You could sign up for that today. Step number three, grow, which means you need to be fed. I am very much so planning on eating lunch with your pastor after church today. Amen, bro. Listen, and you know what it's going to be like when me and Pastor Josh come walking in somewhere for lunch today. Get the food now. I mean, they're going to be ready for us. They're going to be ready for us, right? 
But I can tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to wait till next Sunday to eat lunch for today. You know, fasting's hard. For a week after five services, homie, don't play that. I'm just, we're not doing that. But sometimes we do that for church. Oh, man, church was really great, and I was inspired, and it was really, really awesome. I can't wait to eat next week, and I'm not going to do anything until then. We're going to read our Bible. Read your, I know some of you grew up in church. Remember the old songs the kids used to sing? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow. And, peop, and, and we make it so complicated, Pastor. Man, I just I want to get on the right track. I want to start growing in the Lord. And I'll go, okay, buddy, read your Bible. <laughs> confess your sin to the Lord, right? Go to church. Yeah, but you know, I got a lot of stuff going on the weekend. Listen, whatever you prioritize, that's who you're going to be right? If you prioritize church, if you prioritize your walk with the Lord, if you prioritize reaching your friends with the gospel of Jesus Christ, your, your lifestyle is going to prove that. It's not going to disprove that. Reading your Bible, spending time with the Lord every day, being part of a growth group. Man, I love your growth group and your, your community group opportunities, because here's the thing. In a church this size in New England, which is very rare, by the way, church, you're not going to have a one-on-one -on -one best buddy relationship with your pastor or their staff. It's not possible. Well, I want to know my pastor. Well, listen, you can know him, love him, make sure he's taken care of, make sure your church is blessing him the right way, but he can only effectively minister one-on-one -on -one to about 20 or 30 people effectively, okay? So why do we become part of a group? Because we need people not only to minister to my family, but I need people that I can minister to, we need to help people when they have kids or have hospital stuff going on or have financial stuff going on. And if there's nothing else we do in that group together, we pray over one another, we encourage one another, we sit with each other in church, and we do life together. There's so much strength and power in doing life together. And you need that in your life, in your growth groups. Or you know what you're going to be? You're going to be spiritually starving. And you know what you're going to get mad at the church because they're not ministering to you properly? Well, nobody calls me, and nobody does this, and nobody does this, and nobody does this. And here's a question I want to ask you. Did you come to church today to receive, or did you come to give? I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about you giving of yourselves. I'm talking about walking up to somebody. I mean, we had a great rally time this morning when Alyssa was talking about, uh, hey, find somebody in church today. She said this, too, in front of everybody. Even if they have an ugly jersey like Pastor Ed has on today, she totally qualified her statement. <laughs> Your daughter did that to me in front of everybody, by the way. Mad at her. She said, even if they have an ugly jersey, like somebody that's walking through the door of this church needs to be loved. And you could be that conduit today. So I can't do that. Yes, you can. God will use you if you are ready to be used by him. God, because God wants to work through me my whole life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Here's the last thing I'll share with you today. God's looking for a few good men and women that'll say yes. Like, we'll share this with everybody. And I think most everybody will agree that we all need to tell somebody about Christ. We all need to invite somebody to church. And your church gives you a way to do that as soon as you walk out of either of your exit doors. There's this beautiful stand. I took a picture of it today with really cool invites in, in there. It's, I, I love the one invite that said, we're the world's most okayest church. That's awesome. Somebody's going to read that and go, oh, their pastor's probably funny. Hello, right? <laughs> don't you want, listen, church, don't you want your friends and family to meet your pastor? Right? Doesn't he communicate the Bible? 
in a way that we can understand it and get it and and relates it and makes it right and he's just real i've heard josh preach many many times this dude has god's hand on his life but he also understands where all of us are in our lives. And I, I'm confident to bring any one of my family members. I would even bring people I don't like to this church to hear Pastor Josh speak. But why would we do that? We agree with that. Yes, 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 let's see our church grow. Yes, 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 my friends need Jesus. Okay, it's time to go to Chili's now. And we put it behind us. Agreement means nothing if you don't put it into action. If you don't put it, so what do we gotta do this week? We gotta start telling people about Jesus. Grab some invite cards. Ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life? What do you want from me? Okay, I understand that I need to be saved. Okay, I know I need to put my jersey on for Jesus and get baptized. Okay, I know I, I understand that I need to start giving and being part of this generosity thing so that we can reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, I know that I gotta start inviting my friends at church. Did you ever do this? Pray on Monday morning before you go to work. Dear God, put somebody in my path this week that I can invite to church. You ready for this? And help me not to be doing something stupid when that intersection happens. Make today a day of good news. I was praying with Pastor Josh before the first service. And he was talking about how God took my life and God took his life. This Ohio State, Midwestern country bumpkin with lots of brothers and sisters and was a missionary like I was for almost as long as I was, right? All that stuff. We have so many similarities. We just kind of laugh at it. Uh, Kaylee came up to me today. The Holy Reverend Mother came up to me. And um, is your son's name Luke? So you can say to him, Luke, I am your father, literally, right? So... She said, Pastor Ed, Luke is really looking forward to you because he wants to see the guy that's like a giant next to my husband. And I'm like, thanks. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, know how to, I didn't know how to receive that today. But can, can, man, I, want, I want my, and we, we were thinking about all these little things that, that intersected our lives, and here we are. And, and I want to be in a place in my life where when God is directing me, I'm just saying yes, right? Uh, Pastor Josh wants the same thing for him and his family. Do you want the same thing for you and your family as well? Hey, can I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you for listening so well. Thank you for those of you that are in the, um, that are in the uh, breakout room that are here today, people watching online. Listen, I told, I told a guy whose first time in church was Thursday night this week. He said, yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I said, bro, listen, you need to be connected to this church. Well, I'm thinking about it. Like, you need to get connected to Jesus. I know, I know, but, I know, I know, but, I know, I know, but. This is a place where people are going to come to know. You, listen, there's many people in this room whose lives are changed because of this church. So make today a good news. Don't go in that tent and scarf up all the spiritual food that you're getting here today and just eat it and be happy with it. Take it out and share it with somebody. Maybe today you need to invite Jesus to be your personal Savior. The Bible says, I said this earlier, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Maybe today is the day for you to accept Christ as your Savior. If that's something that you'd like to do with a bunch of other people that have already done this weekend, I would invite you just to bow your heads with me, close your eyes, and whisper this prayer. Not to me, not to anybody that's next to you, just quietly, just between you and the Lord. And say this prayer to him this morning if you would like him to save you. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Would you please come into my life and save me today? 
I believe that you died to pay for all of my bad stuff, all of my sin. And I believe you're alive so that I can be with you forever. Would you please come into my life and save me? Thank you for loving me. And thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name I pray. And keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. Just out of respect for your friends and maybe family members. If you prayed with me and invited Christ to come into your heart, I want to pray for you. And listen, I don't know your name. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's going to come up and make you feel uncomfortable. But I would like to intelligently just pray for you this morning. You say, Pastor Ed, I invited Christ to be my Savior today. I just want to thank the Lord for that. Would you just, real quick, just throw your hand up in the air, and I'll just peek at you and just say amen. God bless you, sweet lady. Young man, young lady, young lady, young man, young lady. God bless you folks in the back. God bless you, sweet folks in the front here, in the middle. God bless you, my friend, right in front of me. God bless you. Pastor Ed, I prayed and invited Christ to come into my heart today, and I, I, I prayed that prayer you prayed. Anybody else today? God bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. I see you in the back. Hey, listen, if you did that today, make sure you tell somebody with a tag around their neck or communicate through the text messaging uh, system they have here at the church or tell Pastor Josh, I prayed and I invited Jesus to come into my heart. Pastor, I need to get baptized. And you'd be part of that special service on Wednesday night. But for everybody else that's here today, how many of you would say, I'm going to make today a day of good news. My life belongs to the Lord. I'm going to tell somebody this week about Jesus or at least invite them to church. Please pray that God would use me this week to be a carrier of good news. If that's true about you, lift your hand up with me up in the air, all around the auditorium, all around the auditorium. God, you see our hands, but more importantly than that, you know our hearts. Thank you for new friends, new family members. We celebrate that today. Family members that invited you to be their personal savior today. We pray that this week's baptism service will be off the chain, that so many people will identify with you and identify with this amazing church uh, by being baptized and the blessing that you're going to have in their life just by being obedient, Lord. We celebrate that already and claim that wonderful night in Jesus' name. Bless Pastor Josh, his beautiful wife, their amazing family, the leaders of this church. God, great days are ahead for Harbor Church. Prepare us to be ready to share good news. In Jesus' name we pray. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.